This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are talking about uh, an exciting time coming up in the NFL Draft, and we have been covering this pretty extensively over at the OBR. If you have not paid uh, close attention, we are breaking down as much content as we can about important positions of need. Cornerback is up first. We covered it way back when in our first positional week in uh, free agency. We're doing it again, kind of looking now. At key draft prospects, so we are going to kind of usher in as many smart draft minds as we possibly can and have good discourse about players the Browns will be interested at pick 26, 59, 89, 91, and beyond uh, as we look at value players. So we are going to lead off with that in just a minute with our, our good friend Jordan Reed from the Draft Network. He does a great job uh, covering the draft for them a couple years now and did great work before his time with Draft Network too. He's a rising star in the industry, so it's going to be uh, a really good conversation, and I hope you do enjoy it. I will say... Uh, stick around for the end of this podcast. I want to talk to you about some things we have going in the future with this specific podcast feed. So, yeah, stick around and, and, and catch that information at the end of the pod. But for now, let's get over to that interview with Jordan Reed. I hope you guys enjoy it. Jordan, this is what we set off air, man. This is pay time of the year, man. What what year of draft coverage is this for you now? I've lost track. So this is my fourth year. I believe it is doing it seriously. Only my second year full time. So, I still like to consider myself a newbie. Uh, okay. I'm learning things on the fly, but you know it's the fun time of the year. But this year has been a little bit different for obvious reasons. For sure, man. Well, well, kudos to you because you've carved a hell of a path in this thing very quickly, and that's not for false reasons. You do great work. I'm, I'm not blowing smoke. I only support people that I think do the work, and and you're one of the best, man. So. Your opinion here holds weight, especially holds weight with me, especially holds weight with Browns fans, and I'm excited to get some of your thoughts on this. We'll start with the free agency class, man. I, I I know you're not singularly focused on the Browns, but the buzz is surrounding kind of the decisions they've made. What stood out to you in the first portion, first week of, of free agency for, for what they did? What did you think of it? Yeah, they had actually one of my favorite deals of the entire free agency period, and that was bringing over John Johnson from the LA Rams. I think he was a player that was supremely underrated and something that we're seeing that Andrew Barry is continuously doing is that he wants to bring in young and productive players primarily that are entering that second contract or guys that really are ascending type of players. And he's taking the same type of strategy in the draft as well, which we'll get to here in a little bit, a little bit later, but John Johnson, the third, I think he's the type of player that really can revolutionize a defense. And that's not to say he's an elite player by any stretch of the imagination, but just talking about the role that he plays. And we've seen how the NFL kind of secretly values free safeties. It's like, 
when you have one, you really notice how they can definitely change your defense. And I think John Johnson the third definitely can do that for the Browns defense just because they've been looking for that free safety for so long that can be that mistake eraser on the back end. And I definitely think he's going to change things a lot. Yeah, they definitely thought Demarius Randall could be that guy for them a few years back. Kind of fell mm-hmm. off in his, his contract year. So they plugged a gap. They thought Grant Delpit, who I know you had thoughts on the year before, they thought Grant could be the guy. They're going to kind of hope that Grant comes back feeling good and the Achilles and all of that and can make a nice little trio with Ronnie Harrison. So it'll be fun to watch. And I, I'll give you this last little question before we, we close free agency. Is is there anything that – I know there's a little bit of buzz today with Jadevian Clowney visiting and, like, do you think they need to go get anything else so that as you looked at the Browns' needs, specifically team needs, I know you guys focus heavily on what the teams need. Like, do they need to tidy up any positions, in your opinion, so that they go into the draft and they're looking at, hey, I want the best player available at this point. I don't have to worry about this position because we're, we're kind of good. We wouldn't be worried about it, that sort of thing. So do you see any positions that you think they need to maybe attach another veteran to before they roll into late April? Honestly, I don't. I think this is one of the more loaded rosters across the board, in my honest opinion. They're really too deep at a lot of positions, bringing over now Troy Hill and then also John Johnson the third. So uh, then Malik Jackson, I think he was a very underrated signing along the interior defensive line. So pairing him with Sheldon Richardson and some of the other players, Jordan Elliott, who, uh, who I was a big fan of in last draft. So I think this is a very, un- I, was just, I wouldn't say underrated, I think it's a very good roster, loaded roster, I should say, especially amongst the two deep. Well, I think Browns fans love to hear that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I could probably sit here and pick them apart because I, I pay way too much attention to them. But I think as somebody, <laughs> listen, I, I respect your football acumen here, and I know you you understand it. So from the outside looking in at them to say you think that that's a that's a realistic thing to have a loaded roster. That I'm sure. Listen, I feels feels good for me to hear that. I'm sure it feels good for the listeners. I'll, I'll ask you then, kind of kind of pivot here to the draft because that's what you're here for. 26 and 59, are there positions that you're drawn to? You're doing your mock drafts, you're going through it, you've done several of these things in the cycle already, you'll do several more. Are there positions that when it gets to the Browns, you're like, man, pick 26 here, pick 59, these positions just seem to fall right for them to get this guy at that spot. Any of those, particularly the names that stand out? I'll start with positions, and then are there names that you're drawn to attaching to Cleveland? Yeah, and you know, whenever you mock a linebacker to the Browns in the first round, there's a lot of pushback about that just because everybody says Andrew Barry doesn't really value the position. But one player that has been commonly mocked to the Browns is Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, the linebacker from Notre Dame. And he's kind of that linebacker safety hybrid. He's an in-between guy. I think he can play that rover position is what I like to call it. It's essentially a strong safety So you don't want him in the box just because he's not a super long type of guy and he really struggles with detaching uh, from climbing offensive linemen. So the thing that you want to do with him is put him in coverage, put him on the weak side, and just allow him to blitz off of the edge. That's really where he's at his best. And I think just adding that type of versatility, especially a player along the edge for the Browns, will be very helpful just because you have guys like John Johnson that that is really going to change this defense. He can be that guy on the back end. So you're able to allow Owusu Koromoa to just be that ultimate wild card of where you can just mix and match and, and play him in so many different positions. So I think he would be a really good piece to add to this defense. I'm with it. I mean, I, I think that you could probably nitpick that player in terms of what his fit is in the modern NFL. And I'm with you in terms of he's more safety than anything else to me. He's got some things mm-hmm. to prove. If he wants to, to do more safety things, he's got some coverage things to prove, especially deep portion field. But like, if you want to play dime and you want to have Anthony Walker or Jacob Phillips be your mic and let – 
you know, let let JOK, let Grant Delpit, let Ronnie Harrison, let let John Johnson the third and 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 Troy Hill and your corners go like that's a dangerous speed element in a division where and even a conference because Browns are kind of starting to look at like conference here instead of just the mm-hmm. division. Like you got to chase Lamar, and that's that's the lateral right. freak of nature. You got to chase Tyree Kill and McCole Hardman. Those guys are freaks of nature. So you need you need guys like if they're going to. I've said this multiple times, and I think you're you're spot on there. If they are going to take a linebacker, this is the only type I could ever see them taking. A guy who truly is that hybrid. You called it a, a rover. I've heard it called a viper. A, a, there's a whole mm-hmm. bunch of, there's a myriad of crazy names and defenses they call that thing. So, like, I'm with it. I think that if he, Zayvon Collins doesn't totally feel realistic to me, um, but I, I certainly think JOK is realistic. So, I, I love that name. And, and if he's there at 26 and you're just looking for guys that are just, I, that guy would be one of our best 11. Take him. So I'm with it. The, the, when it gets to 59, is it, this is what's crazy, Jordan. In my opinion, this year is so weird. I, the only thing that we really can do is mock on your your mock draft focus you guys have, the Pro Football Network one and the, and the Pro Football Focus one. And it just seems like like they're all over the board on player opinions way more than ever because of everything. I don't have to lay it out. We all know why that is. So, like... I guess it's a little harder for me to ask if there's a guy you really like at 59. Like, is there anybody that you also find yourself maybe sticking toward finding that? Like, I like Aline McNeil, for example, as a future mm-hmm. stu- stud kind of guy in the middle of the field. But, like, I'm interested in your take if you've if you've mocked Cleveland a couple times and you've got a guy you've, you kind of keep pigeoning there. Yeah, so in my latest mock, I had him going Asante Samuel Jr. Um, that was that. prior to yeah, that was actually prior to the Troy Hill signing. Um, but Do you see him I, as inside or a... outside? I, I want to ask you that. Is he a slot guy to you, or can he be? I know he's got. I mean, the Browns might want a different body type mm-hmm. than Denzel, and maybe a bigger guy like a Melifonwu or something like that. But can mm-hmm. you see him? I know most of his snaps at, at Florida State were outside. Is he an outside corner in the NFL to you? I think he can play there, but I think his best in his future is probably going to be inside just because okay. of his lack of length, um, just seeing his measurables at his pro day. Uh, I think he's probably better suited inside, but it wouldn't surprise me if some teams do project him outside just because that's where most of his tape has been at Florida State. I'm going to throw a different wrinkle at you. I kind of mapped out questions. I like to have you prepared, but I'm sure you've gotten this one, especially today. J.C. Horn just completely blow himself out of being at 26. Is he completely gone? Is he a top 12 guy now with those numbers today? I've been mocking JC 12 to the 49ers forever. So um, a lot of, I I don't really understand why so many people were kind of cool on JC. I really like this film a lot. And I mean, I put it up yesterday that he was one of my gold star players, essentially that I think is one of the better players in this draft class. And the way he tested today was, it wasn't really surprising to me just because it matches up with what he showed on film. Two other guys I want to ask you about because corner is so important to the Browns and, and, and they're just names that – well, Caleb, I'll go with this. Caleb Farley, is Farley going to fall – this back stuff, is he going to fall to the late portion of the first round, maybe into the second? Like where do you see his slide being or do you think based on – maybe it's – and you can say, hey, Jake, man, it's too early. We don't know enough about the back. Like I'm just kind of curious where the buzz is around him with this stuff that's come out. Yeah, well, first thing I'll say is, of course, I don't have the access to the medicals, so I don't really know exactly how far he's going to fall, but I will say back injuries rarely ever get better, in my experience, just seeing it from not only just football, but basketball and all these other sports, you very rarely ever see a back injury somehow get better, and this isn't his first back surgery, he actually had another in 2019, Mm -hmm. He, he missed two games down the back stretch of the 2019 season, so you talk about a player that opted out. We haven't seen you since 2019. And the last time that we saw you, 
you missed two games at the end of the season just because there was a pinched nerve in his back, which was the reason that he had to get surgery in the first place. So, I mean, he's going to be off some teams' boards just because that is a very scary situation with the medicals and the red flags there uh, from a durability standpoint. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's there for the Browns at 26 or even if he's there uh, in the early second-round portion if he's still lingering around. Yeah, he's a big storyline to follow because, like you said, hyper-talented, but, yeah, back injuries are just they are just so dicey. It's 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 another name I've heard. Listen, I, I listen to the Ryan Rosillo. I like Ryan Rosillo. It goes way back. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just you, you got your guys on these podcasts and whatever. But he had Bruce Feldman on. Bruce Feldman mentioned some kind of like some 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 murmuring, some low grade mumbles on on Patrick Sertan sliding a little further than people expect. Do you see him going past ten, past twelve, past into the twenties, or like is that just nonsense? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's nonsense just because the media and you know, draft Twitter and the actual league is always going to have different gauges on certain players. We see some players of why we ask why they slide. Like Grant Delpit was a great example of mm-hmm. a player that a lot of people had their top 20, top 25, and he ends up going, I think, 44th overall to the Browns a year ago. So there's always these players and Greedy. Greedy Williams was another great example of players that had him uh, labeled as a first round pick. And then he ends up going in the second round too, I believe. So uh, the Browns have really been beneficiaries of of prospects that essentially slid on draft day for various reasons. But there's always certain players that always end up sliding a little bit further than what draft Twitter or what the media was expecting. Yeah. I'm always fascinated by that concept because it's, you get these months and months of preconceived notions and you're like, well, why the hell did that guy phone? You don't know. You just don't, you're not privy to enough of that information. So, right. um, I, I we, we kind of wrapped up corners there, guys that are of interest. Let's talk edge. Quiddy pay seems to be the name that is going early you know, Gregory Rousseau started the cycle as a top name, slid, slid down to maybe a back half of the first round guy. Like, if it seems like at 26, you can maybe have a shot at what are deemed, air quotes here, top two or three edge rushers in the class. So, like, I think Quiddy Pay goes before Cleveland gets up. If not, they might be hyper interested in him. But, like, are you, where are you on Aziz Olajari? Like, where are you on some of those guys? Jalen, I know Jalen Phillips got the concussion stuff that's really scary. Uh, with Rousseau, like Joe Tryon, where are you with the guys that are kind of trending toward that back half of round one that they, they could be interesting for the Browns? Yeah, so the first thing that I'll say about this edge class is that there is not a consensus guy. There's no Miles yeah. Gear in this class of a guy we know that's going to go top three, top five, or even number one overall. We just don't have that headliner guy this year. So there's going to be so many different variances of boards that you hear come out. I remember, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah that said on his podcast of where he's heard that some teams have Aziz Ojolari as their top edge rusher. And there's some teams that wouldn't even touch him in the first two rounds. So that really gives you a gauge on where people are really at with this edge rusher class. I like Aziz Ojolari. He's my top ranked guy. I would be fine with taking him in the top 20 just because I think he has the necessary traits and he's only going to be a 20 year old player when he enters the yeah. NFL. So yeah. he's just scratching the surface of what he can be. And then after that, you're getting into guys like Quidi Bay, who's going to knock it out of the park on Thursday during his pro day. He's going to have some, some absolute freaky numbers. He's probably going to blow up Twitter uh, with some of these <laughs> numbers that he does post, especially if he stays true to what Bruce Feldman listed on his freak list. Uh, you're talking about, uh, 6'4", 275 pounds plus. That's probably going to run in the high four fives, which is just ridiculous for a player of that size. Yeah. Um, so I'm expecting big things from him. But I think one player that is a sneaky um, probably pick for the Browns that I think they may have a liking to just because of the traits and the youth that he does have, and it's Jason Oway from mm-hmm. Penn State. 
He's I don't know if they would take him at 26 just because of the lack of production. He only had six and a half sacks in his career. He had none last year. So that might be a little bit of a scary circumstance for them. But I think with a team that's so analytically driven and with their love for players that are young, I could see somebody standing on the table in the draft room for Jason Owe. So keep an eye on that name. Maybe not at 26, but if they try to trade up from 59 to get him, if he's still there in the early second round, I definitely could see a player like that being high on the Browns board just because six foot five, 255 pounds, he's reportedly going to run in the low four fours. Mm. We know Andrew Barry is probably going to be very intrigued by that. Well, like, what would you say you, you've watched all of his games? I can honestly sit here and tell you, I don't, I don't have any, any remorse. I have not watched him because I just Mm -hmm. did not, I don't view him as a realistic player for the Browns, but he could be, I'm an idiot. I just sit in front of a computer all day. Like what is and I'll hopefully eventually get there, but like, what is the reason he did not produce us? Is he pressuring and he just got close enough all year and he, he impacted the game through pressures? You know, sack numbers can be yeah. m- manipulated bull- bullshit mm-hmm. sometimes, but like, mm-hmm. is he is he a guy that was still getting pressure, doing things, making moves, displaying traits? Yeah, so it's, it's a combination of a lot of things. He just doesn't really know what he's doing as a pass rusher, and it's what I like to call kind of trial and error stuff. He's just throwing stuff out there and hope it sticks against the wall. Mm-hmm. So with this pass rush moves, he has no idea what he's doing. He's using his hands, but he just doesn't understand the concept of how to effectively utilize his hands. And he just needs that proper coach and somebody that can coach him up and just show him exactly what a move is and then what a counter move is. But he's fantastic against the run. That's what I will say about him. He's really, really good against the run. So he's not a complete dud of a guy that's just going to have struggles with setting the edge and just get completely washed out of his gap. That's not We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The truth at all. He just does not have things figured out as a pass rusher, and he gets a lot of pressures, and he has what I like to call a lot of almost plays. He's just not able to bring the quarterback down or – the quarterback just gets the ball off right when he gets hands on him. So his lack of sack production doesn't really scare me a whole bunch of some players in years past, but I think it's very comparable to like a Daniil Hunter type of situation. I was just going to say that, yeah. Yeah, I think it's very comparable to that situation. I think he's going to test even better than what Hunter did coming out. I think he's going to go a little bit earlier too. So I could see a situation of him being a surprise, maybe back in at the first round type of selection or definitely early second round, especially if he tests the way that a lot of people – or predicting or estimating that he will. Great insight, man, especially on some key names at the first. The guy that I keep drawing my eye to and I've watched a lot of him, 
Ellerson Smith, man, I know I know the yeah. Browns might have some tight age parameters. They tri- they trended a young draft last year, and there's no reason to think otherwise until we see it. I know he'll be 23 this year, so maybe that's right on the cusp. They don't want to touch 24, but like his testing in the film, like is he one of your mid round sleeper guys at, at edge that could even creep into late two, early three? Where are you on him? I think he'll probably go late two, early day three. I think that's fair for him, especially okay. with how well he did at the pro day, Northern Illinois, or excuse me, Northern Iowa's pro day the other day. He posted some absolute freaky numbers. Uh, I think he ran like in the four sevens or four eights, if I'm not mistaken. And then he jumped 41 and a half in the vertical, which is just crazy for his size. But one of those FCS players that was a sleeper coming into the year. Um, unfortunately, of course, we didn't get to see him play last year, but uh, there, there's a lot of intriguing things on this tape that I think you could clean up, and I think you could get a solid number three rusher out of him as far as in a rotation. I'll ask you one more guy while I got you. Peyton Turner, Houston kid, yeah. really good tape. Is he like? Is he to you more of a five tech end in a three four like, or is he? Can he be a true seven wide nine in a in a four three like Cleveland plays and 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 crash edge and kind of hold strong side run fit? Can mm-hmm. he do that stuff? Or where do you see him? He's so interesting, man. Where do you see him falling? Yeah. It's because he plays so hard, honestly, Jake. And he's one of those players of where he actually was over or close to 300 pounds. He They kind of beefed him up, and he played interior for a couple years, his early on years at Houston. And then he lost. He slimmed down some. I think he's hovering around 270, 275 pounds now. So he was playing primarily that four-eye, the four technique early on, and then mm-hmm. he transitioned outside playing that five technique. So a true defensive end, but he plays so hard. That's what's so intriguing about him. Great story as well uh, with the weight fluctuating, but it really didn't affect him at all. So I definitely could see a situation of where, um, you know, he could play either one of those, honestly, but I think he's going to have a lot of fans just because of how hard he does play. But yeah, I definitely think the Browns will have a, a liking to him, but one name I do want to float by is I think they're going to have a lot of interest in his name is Ade Ogundeji. Okay. And he's an edge rusher from Notre Dame. He entered Notre Dame as a 17-year-old player, and he'll only be 21 entering the league. Highly productive, was really good down at the Senior Bowl, about six foot four. Uh, I believe he's around 270 to 275 pounds. Um, is going to test out of the roof as well. So keep an eye on that name. Very productive. He was a team captain for Notre Dame as well this past season. So keep an eye on Adeo Gandeji. I think the Browns are going to have a lot of interest in him. Adeo Gundeji, we will come back and revisit this once Jordan predicts this perfectly. So, the only uh, the only other position I want to talk about is of interest, and it's it's like the position of interest to talk about almost in the NFL, and that's wide receiver for the Browns. No secret, Jarvis and Odell make big money. It seems they are trending to be back both in 2021, but after 2021, it becomes dicey. So, like they have to look and Rashard Higgins who just resigned for another year they're running it back with this group and then after that it's like Donovan Peoples Jones and who knows what they'll do because they can they can let everybody else walk or or whatever but we'll see the 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 concept that, that's floated around is that if the right guy were to be there in round 1 they could be interested in that player so like I've got a couple big guys that I'm interested in your opinion on if they would be wise investments at pick 26 and then I want to ask you about some middle guys so two guys Listen, is the Devontae Smith falling down the end of the first round real? I get the data, man. I get that there have not been many guys at, at under six foot and five one seventy, and he didn't run. But good God, man! Like you know, as a former quarterback, I mm-hmm. want guys who can separate that I can give right. you the ball without having to throw it inside of a shoebox to make it work. Like Baker needed that in Kansas City. They they just couldn't separate. So mm-hmm. like. 
I'm just like, I get, I get the data. I respect you, but like this dude is a baller. So are you, are you really thinking this guy could get down toward the end of the first round? Or is that just, is that craziness? I don't see the end of the first round. I think once, if he's able to get like 15 to new England, I definitely think somebody would probably trade up to get him. But okay. there's going to be some teams that are just scared to chase outliers. And what I mean by outliers that there's only been one player that's been over six foot and then under 180 pounds that's been drafted. And the last one I should say that was drafted was Snoop Menace mm-hmm. in 2001 from the Kansas City Chiefs. So um, obviously Devonta is going to be a huge outlier, but I just think this is a special case of a special player. Uh, Heisman Trophy, we know how good his film is. We've both seen the film. Just a natural separator, strong hands. But the reason that I'm not worried about the weight is that he plays very strong. Like yeah. He's very good at contested catches. He's good going over the middle of the field. He can t- attack all three levels of the field. Good with breaking tackles as well. And strong as a runner after the catch. So his weight doesn't really concern me just because he plays so big and so strong. I'm with it. Like in a guy, you can you can say, well, he do- I don't think he's going to hold up. But you're guessing because he held up in the toughest conference in the in the in the college atmosphere. Like it, it, I just have no evidence otherwise. So I, it's just kind of been a little crazy to me. So two guys to get realistic in the Browns world. Would these two guys that I love be wise investments in your opinion at pick 26? Rashad Bateman. Mm-hmm. Elijah Moore. Are those two guys that you could see being wise production players for the Browns at that spot? Or do you think a guy like Elijah Moore is a little too small to invest in the first round? Something like that. Yeah, I think 26 is a little bit early for Moore. I think I would be more comfortable taking him in the second round just because I just have this philosophy now. I'm big on philosophies and just picking up on tendencies as far as in the draft, what's been effective, what's not been effective in that Day two has been such a gold mine for wide receivers. And if you think about even going back to last year, guys like Denzel Mims, mm-hmm. Michael Pittman Jr., LaVisca Chenault, the list goes on and on of these players that have been great finds on day two. And even going back to prior years like Terry McLaurin and DK Metcalf and all these players, of, you can go on and on down a list of these success stories of players that have been found at the receiver spot on day two. So I think day two is kind of like that sweet spot to find a wide receiver talent. But more, I think that's a little bit early. Uh, for me personally, but I would be fine with taking Bateman there. I think he's one of the more underrated receivers, as crazy as it is to say, mm-hmm. in this loaded group. So I'll be fine with taking him at 26. I would be a big fan of that. But another player that I think, maybe not at 26, but in the second round at 59, if he's there, I think Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a really good pick for the Browns as well. I think he's an underrated three-level type of player. Yeah. Um, I'll ask you just quick yes or no question. Do you think Moore gets to 59? Yeah, I, I think he'll be there just because of the size. Teams are okay. kind of sm- kind of scared a little bit uh, by the smaller-ish type of wide receivers. And there's a bunch in this draft class. You can really get them on yeah. all three days. We're talking about, you know, Kadarius Toney is another one I think falls in line with that. Tutu Atwell from Louisville is another mm-hmm. one that really falls in line as well there that's starting to get some early-round buzz as well. So I think Elijah Moore is definitely the most polished of that bunch, in my opinion. I think he has the best hands as well so maybe he does go a little bit earlier than 59 if i had to guess i'd probably think he goes in the top 50 so i lied a little bit earlier <laughs> might be there. there there's so many good ones they're so good it's a deep <laughs> class man so i right. it, it gets touchy there could be you know he, i certainly think he could be there at 59 but i would also not be at all surprised if he's a top top 
40 pick even. I, I, he's, he's a phenomenal right. player. So is there any other wide receivers you think if the Browns kind of punt on it and say, well, we have a, a, an extra fourth-round pick that we, we got from the Eagles uh, that we're going to you know, pick 110? Like, Is there anybody in that range, like a Diami Brown? Is there anybody that catches yeah. your eye there? Yeah, that was actually one of the names that I had written down here in my notes. Diami Brown is definitely one that I think would fit really well. and He's a big draft crush of mine. Needs to clean up his drop issue a little bit. He needs to get a little bit better in a contested catch situation as well. I think that's something. But just the way he's able to stretch the field so easily, go and watch the Miami game. Mm-hmm. He was terrific in that game, Virginia Tech, and then also NC State. Averaged 20 yards a catch last year. So that just gives you a snapshot of how good he can be, especially in the deep areas of the field. Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State is another one yeah. that I really like. Uh, maybe somewhere in the third round, or early fourth round. I think that's the good range of where you can probably get him um amir smith marset from iowa mm. is another one that i really like if you're talking about looking for that field stretcher or somebody that can extend and just open things up underneath for jarvis or even uh, obj if that's where they want him to get a bulk of his work and then one more name i have for you um uh, that i really like for the browns is nico collins maybe if oh, they're yeah. looking for a late round type of guy that can be a field stretcher we saw them dip their toes in the Michigan water last year and have some success with Donovan Peoples-Jones. And I think Nico Collins could be that down-the-field type of guy uh, that could be really good for them, maybe in like the fifth or the sixth round if they want to take him there. A couple Michigan guys, get those teammates back together. I will say Nico did not do himself any favors with his Ohio State comments today, uh, just just for the <laughs> record. So, you know, Cleveland fans and their and their thing with – they like Donovan, though. He's, he's He turned into a nice little pick for him in the sixth round. So I'm in on Nico. I always thought Nico was – the, the better prospect of the two going mm-hmm. through. So it's interesting. I, I'll, we'll close with this. You've been great. Thanks again, Jordan. We'll close with this question, man. Um, I, I laid this one out well ahead so that you can think about it. Cause you think about 32 teams, just kind of one bold prediction for their, the Browns draft. And I, I kind of caveat it could be a player that's unexpected that could be picked that they'll, maybe they'll target. No one's talking about a position. Maybe you think they take earlier than later. Maybe you already kind of told us that with JOK kind of, or do you think they'll trade up or trade down? I kind of interested if you had anything on that one. Um, I would say wide receiver would be pretty bold, especially with OBJ coming back. And then we know with Jarvis, of course, already being there, really being the leader of that room. Rashard Higgins, of course, on a one-year deal. But we know how reliable he's been as that third wide receiver. So I'm going to say they go with wide receiver, and I'm going to say they pick Rashad Bateman. Uh, I think that would be a huge surprise, but we're talking about a bold prediction, so I'm going to go with that. That'd be a lot of fun, man. Listen, Jordan's a draft analyst over at the Draft Network. You know about the Draft Network. You follow us at the OBR for all of our draft content, which stems from listening to people like Jordan who do a great job. Again, he's at the Draft Network. He's on Twitter, at Jordan underscore Reed. Follow him. You should be. You probably are. But if you're not, correct that mistake. Jordan, you're the man, bro. Cannot thank you enough for coming on, dude. No problem. Thanks as always, Jake. It was a pleasure. Okay, so that wraps up. A coverage from uh, Jordan, who who is, like I said, a great interview, great follow. Make sure you're doing it. I want to address a little thing we're going to be tweaking going forward. We've been doing uh, a pretty, pretty expansive coverage at the OBR, looking at doing more daily content. And this podcast will actually be transforming to a Monday through Friday podcast. Listen for you folks. Uh, kind of registering itself as a daily podcast. So that's some exciting news we have going forward. We will be actually airing this podcast every night on StreamYard. So whether it's me alone talking about a topic or whether we get a guest in, something of that nature, we're going to try to do this thing every day. So I, you know, I'm, I'm around every night. I'm going to try to get on by about 8.30, 9 o'clock, record with a guest, record by myself, whatever, 20, 30 minutes, 
could go 40, 50, 60. Who knows? So I, I'm excited, and, and hopefully you guys have the time to follow along. And, and, and the good part is if you don't have a chance to join it live, you can always listen to it on this this podcast feed right here going forward. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about the directional change of uh, this podcast, what we, we plan to expand coverage with it. kind of coincides with what we're doing at the OBR to cover the Browns in a 24-7 and obsessive fashion. So uh, if you're a loyal listener to this pod, you're going to get more content every day, and I think that might be good for you. It might not be. Who knows? You don't have to listen every day. But hopefully it's uh, you know some, some something different than you're accustomed to seeing in your everyday podcast lineup. So, uh, yeah, this is kind of where we're going to be pushing this thing. Going to get some exciting guests on. And the beautiful part is you can follow it on the YouTube channel every night if you would like. Every weeknight, uh, follow along. I think that can be that can be an exciting thing for folks, too, because they like YouTube content coverage, that sort of stuff. And we'll do videos up there as well as we have traditionally done as we prepare for the draft. So follow that YouTube channel. Make sure you like, subscribe, rate this podcast if you have not already done so, or if you're a new listener. We always appreciate that love. And yeah, excited to to, to be expanding this going forward. Make sure you're following along with the Blue Wire Podcast Network in general. They do great work. And uh, we'll wrap it up right there. And we'll be back starting next week with more expansive content every single day. And hopefully you guys can join us. And until that point, go Browns.